Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee, and the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Recognized as a fintech pioneer, SEI continues its legacy of innovation by helping asset managers to compete in a changing world. Explore SEI's next-gen ideas at SEIC.com slash IMS. The S&P 500 higher at the open of three-tenths percent, about seven points to 2065. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up four-tenths percent, or 66 points, to 17,775. The Nasdaq's up four-tenths percent, or 19 points, to 47.70. Ten-year Treasury down two-thirty seconds. The yield 1.75 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.72 percent. NYMEX crude oil up seven-tenths percent, or 30 cents, to 43.75 a barrel. COMEX gold down a tenth of a percent, or one dollar. To 1265.60 an ounce. The euro at dollar 1385. The yen at 109. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Michael McKee, they are a distant eight miles apart. The northerners, the, the, the northerners know where he's going with this. are playing 800 ball. The southerners are playing 697 for Christ. It's May. Rounded up to 700 ball. Between them, they've won 11 games in a row. This is a great and beautiful thing. It's a good time to be from Chicago, Carl. It Dan is. Rob. Indeed. It must be the fresh water, Mike. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's a city that needs some lightness right now. Is the city lit up by this joy? Oh, it is, and we're desperately hoping that some of the success of our baseball nines will lip over into our pension funded ratio. Uh, hopefully the percentages there will get uh, a little bit closer to the pace of winning uh, that our baseball uh, teams have. Maybe they bring a, a, a tin can around to the games and walk around collecting cash from people. Well, that, that uh, might be a better your... strategy than those that have been yeah. tried, Mike. <laughs> Round up your beer money. Uh you're sitting here logged into the Bloomberg next to me looking at Fed uh, funds futures trading, which suggests that uh, there is virtually no chance of a rate increase this year. This despite a host of Fed officials over the past week saying we might do it as soon as June. We're interested in raising rates. The old adage was don't fight the Fed. But the markets are sort of like saying the Fed is a 90-pound weakling. Go away. Mike, I can't tell whether it's the weight of capital just looking for a safe haven uh, or just a disbelief that the Fed will follow through in what seems to be an uncertain global environment. But I think there will be a strong case made in June by some members of the FOMC to consider raising interest rates at that time. All of the lights on the employment dashboard look green to me. I know that there was some anxiety about the modest pace of job creation, but I didn't think it was modest at all in this day and age with demographics. The uh, good number for our payrolls could be as low as 100,000. We're still averaging a very nice number. We're seeing the labor force participation rate uh, trend up. Quits are up. Wage, uh, wages are growing more rapidly. And inflation's uh, closer to the 2% target than I think a lot of people thought that it would be. Certainly that uh, would justify a small move towards normalcy, which could be a long way off. And the international uncertainty is, emblemat- is amplified by financial conditions, which have been mentioned by several Fed officials uh, during the first part of the year. See, far more settled than they were during the early part of the first quarter. So in that environment, I don't know why they wouldn't consider uh, but, thinking about it. But why don't people who buy and sell bonds for a living believe any of that? 
I've, I've asked them. I think that they are pointing to this nebulous concept of global disinflationary forces with China decelerating, with the carryover to emerging markets. They just think that there's going to be immense downward pressure on the components of the price levels. But a lot of the price level uh, components, Mike, that are trending upward are things like rent and medical costs that aren't as influenced by international conditions. And as those things continue to advance, I think it's going to present the Fed a challenging dilemma if they choose to wait that much longer. Well, do you ever go down to the trading desk at, at, at Northern Trust and shake people and go, look, look, look? Well, I don't shake them. Occasionally they shake back uh, <laughs> because they feel as if uh, we're completely misdiagnosing things. But I'm just a dumb economist looking at the fundamentals and also listening to influential Fed speakers. Mr. Dudley was out at the beginning of this week essentially saying two rate hikes this year st- still Do they safe. have credibility? I These guys so. trot into the National Association for Business Economics meetings. You've provided great leadership there. Do these guys trot again in 2016 carry the same credibility of 2006? I think they do. Absolutely. I think they've been very, very patient. I think the dots told us that there were nine participants for, for the FOMC in March that thought there would be two rate hikes this year. I think one of those dots was, Jan- was Janet Yellen. I think it was very unlikely that that was back uh, loaded uh, this year, that it, was, it represented September and December. And so the June meeting, I think, is very much live. The, the, the idea that inflation is coming back. Uh, would suggest that the Fed needs to do something. But how much time do they have? Uh, Are they behind the curve at this point? The market certainly doesn't seem to think so. I wouldn't say they're behind the curve, but especially as energy prices normalize and then carry over into the core measures of inflation. I think they can feel more comfortable in their parlance as to the outlook of reaching their 2% target. I think they're also very comfortable letting that run a little bit over 2%. Persuasive uh, papers suggest that uh, if they're close to zero, better to err on the side of letting inflation carry a little bit warmer than uh, than uh, acting too aggressively. I, I want to get to your state work, which is brilliant. But but first of all, at Northern Trust, you manage quiet money as a general statement. Does the quiet money have to ratchet down to single digit? and even low single-digit expectations of return? Well, that's that's certainly a paradigm shift, especially for institutional portfolios like pension. I get asked a lot, what would be the consequences of a prolonged negative negative interest rate uh, environment, Tom? The two uh, aspects that come up most frequently are pension regimes in the public and the private sectors, but also life insurers who have these long-tailed liabilities and asset returns that are not meeting some of the return expectations. They're now slamming into six and seven years of this. Okay, I, the problem with Carl Tannenbaum, folks, is on a Saturday or Sunday, you're waiting through 42 reports. He writes so cogently and brilliantly, you go, damn. You say, you say the word damn a lot with Carl Tannenbaum. Bad fortune, bad management, bad politics. You wrote a classic Tannenbaum on the sorry state of our states. You can do that from Illinois. You, I mean, you, you're, the, you're the walking, talking it. model. Is everybody else going to catch up with your Illinois? Let's hope not. We're certainly ground zero for some of the pension problems. And, Tom, the point I tried to make in the piece is that this isn't just a financial spectator sport. The states in our country are at the center of investing in economic infrastructure, physical, and human capital. If their finances are not in order, we're going to fall behind on making those investments. That may be one of the things that's contributing to the low rate of productivity growth in the country. CBO did a great study, and it clearly showed public employees uh, get a real nice ride versus private enterprise. I think that's a good summary of what they did five or six years ago. 
Do you factor local government employees into our dearth of productivity? Well, that's uh, certainly one of the things that we have to be careful about, but it's more general than that. If you do not have smooth roadways, if you don't have a cogent air traffic system, if you're not renewing broadband and electrical grids and those sorts of things, and also reinforcing human capital in this knowledge economy, because at the primary and secondary level, local governments are providing almost all of the funding, and they also provide a lot of support to state uh, colleges and community colleges. Absent that, we're not going to have a workforce that is prepared to compete in uh, the next couple of decades. Let's come back with Carl Tannenbaum. He's uh, chief economist at Northern Trust in the first place uh, city of Chicago. Uh, first place in the American League, first place in the National League. When was the last time that happened? Oh, you know, and you, but, you know, he mentions infrastructure, and you wonder about their airport. I'm looking here for the latest Midway Airport, number 11 on the frustration index. And then we do better at O'Hare. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking here quickly to see how they do, given what JFK is right up top. Number four is Chicago O'Hare. Yeah, can't, can't be worse than New York. JFK and O'Hare, very closely linked. And then there's Washington Dulles. Good morning, 991M. We hope you're not going to Dulles. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Obama will make a groundbreaking visit to Japan later this month. President Obama will travel to the site where the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb, Hiroshima, Japan. The president will honor the victims of the bombing that killed 140,000 Japanese on August 6, 1945. The White House has ruled out the possibility that President Obama will apologize for the bombing. The owners of the Colorado Theater, where 12 people died in the shooting rampage, will be in court today. Twenty-eight victims and their families are suing. They say Cinemark should have had silent alarms and armed guards at the packed midnight premiere of a Batman film where James Holmes launched his attack. At least one person is dead after German police say a knife-wielding man stabbed commuters at a train station in a Munich suburb. Police say the attack was probably politically motivated. There is some good news for residents in the Canadian town of Fort McMurray in Alberta. Plans are being made to allow the evacuees to return. Alberta Premier Rachel Notley says about 2,400 homes and buildings were destroyed, but firefighters managed to save 25,000 others. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Bloomberg 960, the Bay Area. Good news. San Francisco is not one of our worst airports. We mentioned Midway. We mentioned JFK. We mentioned O'Hare. Guess which is the number one frustration index airport? LaGuardia. I'm shocked. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Anchin Block and Anchin, named the best accounting firm in North America for the sixth year in a row by Hedgeweek.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The bearish sentiment that hit traders in the past two weeks, easing amid a bounce in commodities, with U.S. stocks joining in equity market gains from Japan to Europe. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And the S&P 500 is higher, up 13 points 
or seven tenths percent at 2072. Dow Jones Industrial Average up eight tenths percent or 148 points to 17,854. The Nasdaq up three tenths percent or 15 points to 47.65. Ten-year Treasury down two thirty seconds. The yield 1.75 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.72 percent. Nymex crude oil up 1.8% or 76 cents to 44.20 a barrel. Comex gold is down two tenths percent or three dollars to 1263.70 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.88. The yen 109.04. Comcast paid 490 million dollars this year to unwind obligations under life insurance policies tied to late founder Ralph Roberts and his wife Suzanne, a remnant of an era when generous executive perks received less investor scrutiny. Gap shares down 11 percent this morning after the apparel chain posted disappointing results, a sign the company's much-vaunted springtime comeback hasn't materialized. And Allergan is up 5.2 percent. The maker of the anti-wrinkle injection Botox says it plans to buy back as much as $10 billion in stock after completing the $40 billion sale of its generic business to Teva Pharmaceutical Industries. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Now, Karen, uh, thanks so much. A Bloomberg Surveillance this morning Brought to you by Interactive Brokers, they offer direct market access to stocks, to options, futures, forex, bonds, and ETFs in over 100 market centers in 24 countries from a single account. Visit ibkr.com slash trade worldwide. Uh, Michael, you note Brian Blackstone over at the Journal uh, looking at a different tone from Mr. Armadi at UBS. I mean, Credit Suisse yeah. is fighting for its life. I happen to enjoy listening to Sergio Armadi. If you don't know him, particularly our U.S. audience, um, he does not speak off cue cards. He's a bit like Mr. Diamond. Mm-hmm. It's free-flowing. And Mr. Armadi uh, may be saying uh, negative interest rates, an extraordinary measure used in extraordinary times. He and Axel Weber go on to say uh, th- there's some challenges, challenges there. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like negative interest rates yeah. at all. Uh, Carl Tannenbaum is here from uh, Northern Trust. He worked at the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. Uh, it's safe to say members of the U.S. Central Bank don't like negative interest rates either. No, my mother doesn't like negative interest rates either, <laughs> which I think is a core problem. Uh, in Europe, they've had uh, negative interest rates in some countries for quite a while, but banks have been reluctant to pass those along to their retail customers for fear of what they might do. As a result, uh, negative interest rates, I think, have been counterproductive because they've crimped bank margins. They've slowed the pace of lending growth there and, and actually worked counterpurposefully to what the ECB is trying to do. I think there's been good work that suggests that we won't have hoarding of cash unless interest rates get very negative, but there's not uh, good work that I've seen that suggests that it's going to be a great dividend for the economy. It says to me that central banks are probably reaching the bottom of their barrel of uh, stimulus tricks. QE has probably reached the edge of its effectiveness, and when we're talking about helicopter drops, which frankly, uh, Mike and Tom, I see as fiscal policy as opposed to monetary policy, it really is time for the fiscal side, I think, to take the handoff if we're to get economic growth up to a higher level. Well, the, uh, there is an argument that uh, well, you raise interest rates, first of all, you help the savers. Second of all, you give companies a return on uh, their investments, and uh, you create an environment where people feel better about prospects for things. Uh, are you in the camp that says that uh, 
the Fed's policy is hurting the economy now. I wouldn't go that far. I know there are analysts that suggest that it is, but I've been classically trained, which is that if you want to get economic activity up, you make credit cheaper, not more expensive. And I think if we can get to a point where we can raise rates in an orderly fashion, I think it will have that dividend of expressing confidence from the central bank. Uh, you have the courage to say you've been classically trained in, in economics. That can mean a lot. Mr. Krugman of Princeton would respectfully suggest we have to go back to Hicks 1939 and within a classical mode – his critics would say the rules have changed. It's a much more open, much more global economy. What people, a lot of people don't know Chicago's living globalization has been doing that for 200, I would suggest, for 200 uh, years. Can we do classical economics today, or do we just have to go on to a new orthodoxy? That's a great question, Tom. I think when central banks uh, first started uh, laying out their objectives, they were much more national in scope. Today, the determinants of U.S. unemployment and inflation are very global. And the Federal Reserve's reach or any central bank's reach uh, rarely goes that much further than their own borders. So a question could be asked, can they really reach their objectives effectively in this global uh, market environment? I think uh, if they are to do so, they need a great deal of coordination with other central bankers. Perhaps that came out a little bit uh, amongst Treasury officials at the G20 meeting in Shanghai earlier this year. But getting that coordination to everybody's uh, benefit is very difficult to do. Within the mix as an economist, and, and folks, to visit the Northern Trust building. It's in the most gorgeous old part of Chicago and the architecture and all that. You're surrounded by equity and bond people. They look at you like, why are you here? And when you talk to your portfolio managers, they're living a single digit world. Do they have the fear or the relative fear that we see from the punditry right now about the equity markets? I've never seen so many inflammatory notes linking Tannenbaum's world. <laughs> with the Northern Trust Portfolio Managers world, which is it's all going to come to end because monetary policy can't get it done. How do you deal with that in the hallways of Northern Trust? Well, while I take a lot of abuse in those halls, I must say that we just had our five-year capital markets assumption uh, meeting where we lay out our expectation for asset returns, Tom, and actually the mood was quite a bit more sanguine. I think the feeling is still that uh, economic growth globally is going to surprise people a little bit. And when you add uh, the benefit of modest inflation and decent earnings, equities, uh, large-cap equities, are not someplace that you should feel did, uncomfortable investing. Did you hold that meeting at Wrigley Field or Cellular Field? Uh, we cut it right down the middle, as right we have to for our good. Chicago Four clients. Four miles away from each. Very cute. Just to, uh, for the record, you're, you're old enough. You don't call it Cellular one no, it's still Comiskey Park. Still Comiskey Park. It's like me. I, I can't thank call. It. I can't get in a cab in Washington and ask to go to Reagan Airport. It's National Airport. I mean, it's always. I, now I, I am. I'm old, but I'm not old enough to ask to go to Idlewild. You know, when I want to fly overseas from New York, but um, still, uh, you say we we sh- should be able to invest <laughs> at this point. But would you? Do your people suggest that you want to have anything to do with bonds at this point? Um, both because, uh, you know, if the Fed is raising rates, you would tend to lose money, but also because nobody seems to have any idea what's going on in the bond market world right now. 
Well, that's fair. Of course, we work with our clients on their specific goals, and in many cases, a bond investment with its predictable cash flows is exactly what they need. In addition, I think a lot of us tend to think of the bond market as the treasury market and not much else. There are still some very decent returns in True. The corporate that, bond that's markets. That's my bad for the way I um, And, you know, if you're looking at an inflation-adjusted return, it's still not uh, not terrible for those who want safety over risk. Would you uh, buy tips at this point? Is there enough of an inflation threat out there that you want to hedge against it? So I'm not sure. I think the other thing that has to be taken account of is that the Treasury market is a global asset class, and it's quite clear that global pools of savings are still heading in this direction for the strength of our currency, the predictability, relative predictability of our politics, and that's holding yields down and may do so, Mike, for quite a while, which goes back to the initial part of our conversation about long-tailed portfolios like pensions and life insurance companies who may be adjusting to a much lower lower rate of fixed income returns over well, the Dudley next years. was talking about that today over in Europe. He said, you know, we, we are the world's reserve currency, and that has benefits, but it also has uh, negatives to it. And one is that our currency may not reflect the, the uh, fundamentals of the U.S. economy. And, Mike, I think that uh, therein lies the risk of the Fed remaining where it is for too much longer. We're forcing uh, capital to places it isn't really comfortable because the fixed income returns are so low. When you get that happening, whether it's real estate or some equity corners, you could get some excesses that would be unpleasant to unwind. Carl, one more question, if we could, then I've got to close out uh, this show. What does Chicago need to do to right the ship? There's been a huge negative stream of of, of of news out of Chicago. I think of Peter Nikias and others at the Chicago Tribune writing on the, the crime and the shooting, and there's the debt and the fiscal issues as well. What does your Chicago need to do to right the ship? Well, uh, look, for visitors to Chicago, you know, please, you're, you're not going to step off the airplane and immediately uh, be the subject of a capital crime. Uh, there are neighborhoods in Chicago, some close to where I grew up, that are not that pleasant, but a lot of the city is beautiful. We have a great uh, labor force, uh, great uh, universities, and companies enjoy being there, central location, good transportation. I think the challenge that people ask about is what are the tax rates going to be given, that it will likely take an amendment to the state constitution to make progress on our pension system, which wow. at the moment is 38 percent funded and court cases have uh, thrown out even the most minor of adjustments that have been made so unfortunately we're kind of locked in where we are and other than starting a rumor that interest rates are going to be a lot higher which i'm tempted to try there are no (laughs) silver bullets in the fiscal picture tom carl tannenbaum wonderful to see you again and uh, your visit here to new york he is with carl tannenbaum with the northern trust uh, a company, uh, Mike. I, I had to take down the, on my internet site here the ESPN Cubs and White Sox sites. It was too <laughs> too stunning. Yeah. It, does does uh, Northern Trust have season tickets at on a I south side ballpark? We had your bets there, Mike. We had your bets. Very good. It has been a wonderful show. Thank you to Rachel Worspan, our team. Bowden, thank you so much for your assistance as well as we've looked at the theory today of economics, finance, and investment. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.